Why do you want to fight? This is the fight game with Demond Cotton. Hello, hello, and welcome to another exciting edition of The Fight Game on 1230 The Game. I am your host, Damon Cotton, and I say it each and every week. There is so much to talk about in the world of combat sports, but before we jump into it, I really wanted to let the intro ride out a little bit. Man, shout out to Ari Mizraki at Ari Produces on Twitter. I mean, the intro is a banger. Why do you want to fight? And we are going to talk about that, but... We're going to start off the gates. We got to we got to jump into it. The biggest thing that's been going on in combat sports since the new year has been Dana White. Dana White yesterday at UFC Media Day. He talked to the media unprompted. No one knew. I wish I would have known or else I would have gone. Dana White talking to the media. And before we jump into it, I will tell you the guest lineup. We've got Jim Greasehopper coming on. In about 15 minutes, and we're going to discuss this more in depth. But before we talk to Grease, I did want to play Dana White's opening statements to, you know, obviously I could read the transcripts, I could tell you, but if you haven't heard any of what Dana had to say about the situation, let's hear a little bit of what he had to say about what it transpired on New Year's Eve, New Year's Day with his wife down in Mexico. And obviously, uh, Nobody's more about free speech than me. If somebody, if, you know, if one of the fighters wants to come out and voice their opinion on it and, and uh, whatever it might be, then, then by all means, uh, I'm sure you guys have seen the, the TMZ video and seen uh, my interview. It was obviously a horrible personal experience. And, uh, you know, there's no excuses for it. Something that I'm going to have to deal with. And, uh, live with for the rest of my life and one thing that i do want to clarify in this thing that i didn't talk about on tmz because i didn't expect it and i didn't see it coming is the people that are defending me you know um there's there's never an excuse i'm sure you guys have read some of the same stuff that i've seen there's there's no defense for this and people should not be defending me uh, over this thing, no matter what. Um, you know, all the criticism that I have received this week is 100% warranted and and will receive in the future. So, and you know me better than anybody, if, you know, especially the people that I don't like start coming after me, nobody fires back more than I do. Um, I, I'm t- whatever that anybody has to say, everybody has an opinion on this, and and they're they're right to have their own opinions. I was very opinionated on this too, and I still am. You know, it's 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 uh, crazy that I'm sitting here even having this conversation with you guys. But yeah, so my 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 uh, my reason for being here today is I just wanted you guys to focus on them and not me. 
And as I said before I played that clip, I just wanted you all to hear Dana White speak on this a little bit. Obviously, I'll get into some of the transcripts a little bit later, read off a little bit more of what he said. Obviously, Jim Griesheimer and I later on in the show, we're going to talk about it as well. But to hear a little bit of what Dana had to say, I think that that's important because the best thing that he said in the entire press conference, I know that he ended up taking questions. He didn't need to, but... The best thing that he said throughout the entire thing to me is, hey, no one should be defending me. That is the best thing that he said, something that he didn't say in the TMZ interview because he didn't think it was going to happen. And honestly, I'll say it. I was surprised. A fighter that I love. Hey, man, he was in running for guest of the year. He was great on the show, Jamal Hill. He was doubling down, tripling down on defending Dana White. And yes, I understand. Hey, you hit someone first. You, no one should put, be putting their hands on anyone. Yes, I understand that. But we all are also a part of the culture that, hey, there's no excuse to hit a woman, even if she does hit you first. But for not just some of the fighters in the UFC, everyone, as Dana also said, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. But for the people that were defending Dana White, I'm ho I hope you heard what he had to say at that press conference when he says, no one should be defending me. So that is the mwah. thank you dana white for from that aspect thank you he didn't need to go any further but just by saying no one should be defending me for me did it satisfy me on what happened what transpired on that new year's eve night no it does not it does not absolve him from anything either as he would go on to say he's got to live with this for the rest of his life He's got to walk around with this. He's got to talk to his children about this. Yes, those are all things that Dana White is going to have to deal with. The ramifications of this, he's got to make sure everything's okay. Are his kids ever going to be able to look at him the same? Yes, those are all important things. But when it comes to not so much the business side, but as the fan side, us as the spectators of the sport that he resides over, the things that I would like to have been answered... Someone did ask him this a little bit later on. It was, hey, um, the talks of with Endeavor, ESPN. And he said, hey, he's been in meetings with Ari. He's uh, Emmanuel and obviously ESPN. But I would have liked to, he doesn't owe us this, but for me, that is something that I would have liked him to expound on a little bit more. What were the meetings like with ESPN? What were the bosses telling you? Because, hey, you go to ESPN, they say refer to the UFC. Endeavor's got no comment. So for me, I would have liked to have known, and obviously he's, not he doesn't he's not obligated to give us this information but what were those meetings like what were the bosses talking to dana about this situation someone else also asked hey do you know if any sponsors are going to drop out and he said not to his knowledge of anything hey even with the power slap it looked like tbs was just going to drop it all together i know there's like for something like this it should never happen so you don't want to say hey this is bad timing but yes with power slap, the slap competition, the tough man competition, because, hey, is it really a sport? That's not for me to decide. People are out there competing. It's a sport. But what's the skill and grace? It seems a little bit even more barbaric than MMA fighting. But what is Dana White's response going to be? We get his response. I don't think he's ever going to speak on the situation ever again. And for people that want the pound of flesh, for people that, hey, maybe that's not good enough for them, I don't have the answers. If I was there yesterday, which I very well could have been, I'm kicking myself that I didn't know that Dana White was going to do an impromptu press conference. But even if I was there, I don't know the if I could have asked any better questions than what he was asked yesterday. I don't know if I would have asked some hard-hitting question because, to be honest, when it comes to consequence, when it comes to, hey, facing the music, with a guy at Dana White's position in power in the UFC, 
I don't know if there's anything that can be done to him. He is untouchable. When he says, hey, if I leave for 30 days, 60 days, that's just hurting the fighters. Is that true? I don't know. It's That's the part for me where it's, hey, it's it seems it seems a little bit arrogant to think that hey without him the UFC would not be able to run. And another part that he said if someone asked him hey what would you do differently what would you change from that night, his answer of being hey I just wouldn't I just wouldn't have went out on New Year's. That's also it's tongue in cheek where you can say hey I just wouldn't have went out but how about say I wouldn't have hit my wife, I wouldn't have hit her back, no matter if she had slapped me first. That would have been the better answer. Maybe, hey, I would have controlled my drinking. I wouldn't have lost my temper. Hey, I wouldn't have gone out on New Year's Eve. That's his response to, hey, if you could, if anything would have been differently. I don't know, I'm not looking at the exact transcript right now, but those along those lines of the question that, that he was asked. And his only answer is, hey, he just wouldn't have gone on at New Year's. So did he handle it perfectly? To me, no. But obviously talking to people, hey, even some people that work for the UFC, people are saying, Obviously, the no, there, there are some people that are never going to be satisfied. We've seen this throughout the entire sport. Ray Rice from the Baltimore Ravens. I don't think that anyone that's ever been in a domestic violence situation, I know that there's a, la- there's a laundry list to go of when we talk about sports. But when it comes to actual contrition and doing the right things, doing the work, helping out, you know, women abuse funds and being there, being the face of, hey, this is not OK, no one has done more work to me than Ray Rice on trying to rehabilitate his image. But he still has never played a down of football in the NFL again. So sometimes the apology doesn't matter. Sometimes it is about the status. Are you untouchable? Because for the fighters, if they were to do this, are they getting the same break? Would Dana White say this? Because he said it in 2013, 2014, whatever the case may be, almost a decade ago, this is something you don't bounce back from. You never recover from hitting a woman. And we're seeing with Dana White, his only repercussion is, is the fact that he says that he has to live with this. And I'll leave you with this as we're going to take a break and come back with Jim Greeshopper. For any crime that it may be, any penalty, if it's just, hey, big or small, what do you think your punishment should be? I think the fact that I have to live with it, that's enough. And to me, that's not insane, but it's almost preposterous that that's all that the consequence has to be. Even when you were a kid, you get in trouble for hitting your sister or your brother and your mom comes in the room. What do you think your punishment should be if your mother were to ask you? I think knowing that I have to live with this is punishment enough. That's not a good answer. I know it might not be the right answer. I'm not asking him to get kicked out of the UFC. Like I said, I don't have all the answers on what a proper punishment would be. But just to say, hey, I've got to live with this, donate some money, help out a fund. I don't know what the exact answer is, but hey, having to live with it, that's not a good enough answer for me. But again, we're going to be talking to Jim Greeshopper, MMA insider for ESPN Radio, next here on The Fight Game on 1230 The Game. Welcome back to The Fight Game with Demond Cotton. And welcome back to the fight game here on 1230 The Game. And I'm pleased to introduce the 2022 guest of the year, Jim Greeshopper. Grease, how you doing today? What's up, Damon? You know what? I'm, I'm, every time I hear that, it just makes me feel good, man. But it's a new year, right? And every spot is earned. So it's up for grabs, just like a title fight. When you walk in the cage and the door shuts behind you, there is no champion. So it's all brand new. Everybody's gunning for the top spot. And I got to come strong from the beginning. So this being my first appearance in 2023, let's go. 
Let's do it. And we've got to start off with the hottest thing in MMA right now. I know it's not something that's fun to talk about with the first fight night of the year taking place this weekend. But yesterday at Media Day, Dana White, he, he said he wanted to make it about the athletes. But in doing so, in addressing the situation with him slapping his wife he brings the attention to himself and i'm not saying that's a bad thing it's obviously a good thing because the tmz interview was not good enough for me was the the press maybe they didn't ask hard enough questions but even in myself if i was at that media day which i very well could have been but i just didn't go i don't know if i would have asked him the hard-hitting questions what did you take what was your overall takeaway from dana white addressing the slap situation with his wife yesterday at ufc media day well, first of all, I just want to say that no matter what Dana White says or does right now, the attention is not going to be on the athlete. It's on him, and it's squarely on him. And it's a nice thing to say. It's a nice gesture for him to say that, and it should be about the athletes, right? It, it always should be about the athletes. But Dana White, in many ways over the years, he has made it about himself. That's what promoters do. Promoters promote the athletes, but they use themselves to do it. And nobody's got a bigger personality in sports than Dana White, as you know. So he's going to be the focus regardless, and, and he knows that. We all know that. And, you know, you say what you say. Sometimes you, you, know, you mean what you say, but at the same time you know that it's pretty much wishful thinking. So that's the first thing. Second thing is people won't let this go. So he, he said what he said. He made a statement right after it happened. He made a statement right after it happened, and he said everything he needed to say right after it happened. So did his wife. They asked for privacy. They're dealing with their kids, their own family, minor children, I might add, too. Um, I believe still one of them. Um, anyway, the point is they have kids, they have a family. And so they put out statements, but that in this world is never good enough. Like you said, it wasn't good enough for you, and you're entitled to that thought. For me, I feel like whatever happens inside those walls of their house is most important. And then when they're ready outside, then that happens. But in this case, Dana's such a public figure. The UFC is a huge brand, Endeavor's obviously an enormous brand and with Hollywood and everything that's gone on out there with Harvey Weinstein. And, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things at play here, but Endeavor's been radio silent. ESPN's referred everybody to the UFC for comment. And Dana is the only one who has said something. Now, to sit in that seat, he talked about punishment. People want him to, to be suspended 30 days, 60 days, even fired or, or kicked out. Just imagine for one second sitting in that chair yesterday, Demond. I'm not excusing him. I'm not saying, I'm just saying, look, we love to put together mobs and we love our witch hunts. We love to bring people down. Weinstein, scumbag, deserve to be brought down, right? Without a doubt. The old school style of Hollywood, the casting couch, and who cares if the girls who were telling were the ones who didn't get the roles and then the other ones came out later. It was wrong. It was years. He's rotting in jail. Dana White has talked about this and admitted how wrong he is. Given the fact that his wife has come out and made her statement and she was the second victim Let's not forget that Dana White was the first victim in this case. And I'm not sticking up for him. Facts are facts. But no one wants to, to let it go. We want blood. Every time someone does something wrong who's in a public position, any time someone advances further than we do in this life, we want to hold them to a standard that we don't hold ourselves to. And the minute they don't live up to that standard in any way, it's a witch hunt. We want blood. We want their head. It's become that kind of society and that's a very dangerous society to live in. That being said, I agree with Dana. No one should be sticking up for him. It's indefensible what he did. He knows it. We all know it. But I would invite anybody listening right now who feels the way the quote-unquote mob feels, sit back for one second and imagine if it were you. Imagine if you were held to the same standards that you're holding him to.
while you drink your 40s on the weekend and you don't think anything of it, while you drink a bottle of wine in your house looking down from the hills, while you're smoking a joint that no one ever cares that you're smoking because no one's watching your every move, while you have something happen in your life, you get in a fight somewhere, you get charged with assault when you're 20 years old and no one cares, but you're seeing it with the fighters now, Demond, too. They're under that spotlight, and that spotlight is relentless. That spotlight is unforgiving, and at times, as you're seeing right now with Dana White, that spotlight is searingly hot. Again, we're talking to Jim Griesaber here on the fight game, and you can follow Grease at Cage Side Grease. You know, also works in with MMA Weekly Insider, MMA Insider for ESPN Radio. But I do want to give a little pushback because some of the things that he said were obviously I understand what you're saying about people today. They want a pound of flesh for everything, but. For me, it almost came off as arrogant in an apology where, hey, when he says, if I leave for 30 days, that's hurting the fighters. If I leave for 60 days, that's just hurting the fighters. And I know you're not a big pro wrestling guy, but recently, Vince McMahon, he left the WWE after some sexual misconduct scandals, payouts that, you know, maybe he didn't allocate the money the right way. But the part where I uh, I bring this back to Vince McMahon, these are two different situations where... The WWE was running just fine without him. Now he's basically done a succession-style TV show takeover of the corporate office, but he's still saying, hey, I'll leave the creative alone. But for me, for Dana White, I know that he is one of the best promoters. But I do think that if Dana White, when he says, hey, I could have left in 2016, if he left today, I do think that the UFC machine would still be able to operate as it is today. So for that part, it was just a little bit of arrogance where he is great at what he does. But it's just, I, I don't think that there's no one else that if they were the president of the UFC, if he leaves tomorrow, it was almost a sense of, hey, if I leave tomorrow, who knows what could happen in the UFC? It's, that's the part for me where it's, get over yourself, bro. Well, the Vince McMahon thing, and, and you know what? I, I understand that point, but the Vince McMahon thing, wasn't it so they could sell it? Yeah, it, that is for themselves. But I just mean. Sale, and they couldn't have voted him in fast enough when he wanted to come back. He was pushing to come back for months before that. In December, he was pushing and they delayed it until January to vote him back in because he's the majority shareholder. Dana's not anywhere close to the majority shareholder, so it's completely different. But I understand what you're saying to compare More, the two guys. The they are those two guys. For the creative side of it. Where I just mean, yeah, you know, the the creative, they are those two guys. So yes. Not like the, I, the I do believe that the yet. UFC machine, Demond, with the fighters, is, is good to go. Without a doubt. Their system is in place. They can find talent. They can develop talent anywhere. Can they get those deals done? Can they relate to that talent? Can they get everything done and run things the way that they have without Dana? Um, I would ask you, if they could have, would they not have? Would they have given him his 9%, even though he had already sold his 9%, got him paid for it, they gave it back for nothing, and they gave him $20 million a year. Would they have done that if they thought they could have ran things without him as well as they can with him? So I don't know. The only way to find out that the answer to that question, I'm not saying you're wrong because I can't say you're wrong, right? The only way to find out is when one day Dana does leave, how does the UFC do without him? That's the only way to find that out. But I do think there's always been overtones. I would never say undertones with Dana White. There's always been overtones of arrogance with him. I think to be a great promoter, to be a great athlete, to be a great radio host, to be a great anything, you have to have that. You have to have that air of importance and self-importance and confidence in yourself and what you do. You have to feel like you're irreplaceable. You think Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant felt like they were irreplaceable? Do you think Kobe Bryant, when he said, it's not my job to be a good teammate, it's my job to win? Do you think that, you know, I mean, and we appreciate Kobe a lot more that now that he's gone. So the win at all costs mentality of pro sports that we've been raised in, that it's been you know, decades of this, it breeds that. 
And the guys who rise to the top of the food chain in this world are those guys for the most part. The guys who, I mean, look at Jay-Z, hip-hop, right? You can't listen to a Jay-Z song without him telling you he's the greatest and no one comes close. It's that level of confidence and that level of, I'll say it, arrogance that you need to reach that level, to, to deflect all the bullets that come at you, to make all the choices that you need to make with, with thousands of lives at stake when you make every choice because their financial futures are in your hands and your employees and their families. I mean, you, you all, I want the guy at the top to be that way. Do I want him to always be that way? No. Do I want him to be contrite? Yes, I think he's done that. Do I want him to apologize? He's done that. Do I want Dana White whimpering on all fours, begging for forgiveness? No. I don't want anybody like that. I don't think anybody should have to do that. He needs to be forgiven by his wife. He needs to be forgiven by his family, his friends, in that order. The rest of us don't mean anything. We're consumers. We're customers. We're paying for entertainment. We're getting our entertainment every time we watch a UFC fight card. I agree with you until the point where it's the part where, you know, we know too big to fail. But I just feel like the shoes on the other foot where if a fight, if a fighter's in this situation, you see it all the time in, in sports where if this happens to an athlete. But for me, it's just those powerful elites, the guys that they are untouchable. And we've seen throughout this situation. He is untouchable. We can leave it at that because, you know, the apology, if it's good enough for you, if it isn't, you know, the fact that he says, hey, he's got to live with this. That's going to be almost his scarlet letter is that he has to live with this. And that is true. But we know that for people who are not in the Dana White position, hell, you're talking about people living on high, talk about what you know about, just me and you. We both talk about MMA for a living. We love what we do. But if something were like this were to surface for us and we are essentially nobodies on the scale of Dana White, and I know that you know everyone's equal in that sense, but you know what I mean when it comes to the pay scale, notoriety, popularity, celebrity, we would not have our jobs today. There would at least be some slap on the wrist, some consequence. And I think that for some people, speaking on the other half, you know, because I'm just playing devil's advocate here, is that people want a little bit of consequence, no matter what it could be. Maybe I don't know. For some people, I don't know if this would be the case. Hey, the next three, you know, pay-per-view cards, you can't put the, um, you can't be on camera. You're not putting the titles. You're not putting the title on the winner of the title fights. I don't know if that would suffice for people, but you understand what I'm saying. For some people, they just want a penalty because if it was the fighters, if it were the athletes in trouble, there would at least be some form of consequence. Yeah, and, and, you know, there are a lot of people out there who have vendettas against Dana. And first of all, I want to say, if you don't cover the sport, if you're not a fan, if you're not familiar with Dana White's body of work and all the great things that he's done for people over the years and all the things that he's been in, look, I mean, speaking for Trump caused a lot of controversy and he talked about how Trump was always there for the UFC and he kept it related to what Trump had done for their business. And, you know, he's always been a controversial figure. There have been things that have popped up in the past. I mean, just Google Dana White controversy and you'll see. I'm not going to go through any of them right now, but I, I would caution against, like, that'd be like me. So what's something that you don't care anything about at all, Demond, that you don't pay any attention to whatsoever, like some people are with fighting? So let's say the, the most notable, uh, what would be the top position in ballet, whatever that is that I couldn't give a crap about, right? All of a sudden that guy or that woman gets caught doing some horrible things, and I'm sitting here going, they should be thrown out, they should be taken away. It's disgusting what they did without knowing who they are, what they've done, what their history is. So the people who are out there who don't even know anything about what Dana's done, what the UFC's done, the history of it, there goes those barbaric cockfighters again. Huh? You know what? Just shut up. All right, those are the people who are going to have an opinion about everything. They're going to be upset about everything. No matter what it is, they're complaining about it. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's too high. It's too low. It's too hard. It's too soft. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Those people, shut up, okay, because you just go through life doing that. 
the rest of us, let's have intelligent conversations, right? Instead of these political witch hunts, instead of families and friendships being ended and divided by arguments due to political beliefs, due to opinions on what should happen to Dana White, and this is happening in our country, everything is becoming such a hot-button issue that we're either leaving someone alone or we're calling for their head. There is no in-between. Where's the intelligent debate? Where's the intelligent discussion? Where's all the things that this country was founded on? I'm not comparing this to politics. I'm just saying, where's the intelligent debate? Where's the result that comes from this that educates people, that helps prevent things like happening, things like this from happening in the future? Because isn't that the ultimate goal? It's not the ultimate goal to see somebody's head rolling every time they commit a crime or do something wrong. Prisons are there for rehabilitation. We can't lose sight of the fact that what we really need here are solutions to these issues, to these problems, so that people don't keep doing these things in the future. That, to me, should be the ultimate goal, not just to have a witch hunt and, and, and go for somebody's head. That doesn't solve anything in the long run. Well said. And when you mentioned something that I do not care about, I remember last year seeing headlines of a big cheating scandal in chess. And I kept scrolling, didn't even bother to click on it. So that, <laughs> that's just something there of something I did not even bother to see. I don't know what was going on. But there I remember seeing last year headlines, huge cheating scandal. And just Grease, we're going to move on now. Again, we're talking to Jim Greasehopper here on the fight game on 1230, the game to a lighter subject. What we actually cover this sport for the fights. UFC fight night this weekend. I mean, is there anything on this card that you're looking for? Because we all know that next weekend, UFC 283, that's what we've all been waiting for since the start of the new year. But is there anything at UFC fight night that people should be looking for? Absolutely, yes, 100%. Umar Nurmagomedov, first of all, Usman and, you know, that whole Nurmagomedov family, Khabib's relatives, and with, with everything that's happened with Khabib retiring from coaching, so we'll see how he does without him. Barcelos is a pretty good striker and a decent grappler, but Nurmagomedov undefeated. Oh, imagine that, Nurmagomedov undefeated. Where have we heard that before? So that one, but also Ketlin Vieira and Raquel Pennington at Bantamweight. Ketlin Vieira is a tank, man, but Pennington always finds a way to win. She fought Nunes for the title. That's a pretty good fight to watch. And then when I look at Action Jackson, Damon Jackson, I think he's a guy who could really make some noise in this division, but he's got a super tough opponent in Ige. I was looking forward to see what Kelvin Gaslam was going to do because he needed a win more than anybody in the company. Now he just needs to get healthy. His mouth was nasty. You saw that. But Sean Strickland headlining back-to-back -back events, the end of 2022, the beginning of 2023 against Imamov. And, you know, 2022, the end of it, the last two fights did not go the way that Strickland had hoped they would. And even his win over Hermanson earlier in the year wasn't that great. He needs a big-time win in a major way. But what an awesome thing for him to step up and last-minute notice to be in Vegas and to fight a guy like your mom off. But the headline back-to-back -back events, that's history right there. You know, with Sean Strickland, he's such a polarizing fighter because he is an entertaining fighter, but it's almost like he, he's, he's not going to listen to the coach's advice. They could be working on a game plan for weeks, and he's just going to go in there and bang. And sometimes that doesn't work out. We saw it in the Padilla fight. And also, Cannoneer, I guess that could have been a toss-up. He felt like he won, but... What do you think that a loss would do to Sean Strickland here? Or maybe nothing at all because it's the, hey, bravo for stepping up on such short notice. Uh, no, well, no one ever wants that dreaded collar in the UFC three in a row. Three in a row is a killer, and that would be three in a row for him. And his win before that was not convincing at all. And the Cannoneer decision was close. He could have won that. But no one, as time goes by, especially remembers how close it was, unless it's an all-time classic fight. They just see the L. 
and they see the split decision. It doesn't matter what the scorecards were when you look back on the record. So with that, he, he's look, he's in the top ten. I doubt he drops out of the top ten with a loss here because of what you said, him stepping up. But what's he, seven? I mean, and, and Imamov's out of the top ten. So this is a, a spot in the top ten for Imamov who really – uh, for Imavov, excuse me, who is le- legitimately a threat in that division. But for Strickland, he's, he's a guy who was, I saw him in Vegas in February of last year. That's 11 months ago. We had a conversation. He was sparring with Kubrat Pulev, the boxer. And I was with Pulev that day at a gym in Vegas. And um, they were training with um, Hasim Rahman's brother, actually, is the trainer, Eben. So anyway, long story short, <laughs> They're all training. I talked to Strickland after, just a conversation. He recognized me from the UFC, and he was ready for a title fight. And he said, I just don't want to fight Whitaker because in my mind he's a champ. I want to fight anybody but Whitaker to get to Izzy because fighting Whitaker and Izzy is two title fights. That was his mindset after the Hermanson fight, right after the Hermanson fight, whenever it was in Vegas, February, March. I can't remember exactly. But anyway, I ran into him, and we had that conversation. And that's where he was then. But then... The Pareto fight comes in, he gets sniped by a guy who's the champion and who just got easy again. And then he loses a very tough decision against a beast in Jared Cannonier, who, let's not forget, used to be a pretty damn good heavyweight, very strong middleweight. So I don't think Strickland's got anything to be ashamed of, but three losses in a row out of the top ten when you were talking about a title fight less than a year ago, yeah, he's got a lot to fight for. All right, now let's move on to next week's pay-per-view. It seems like it's here sooner than we thought. And speaking of Dana White, he announced this after the last 282 card, after the bummer, let's just call it, of a main event between Blahovich and I'm almost forgetting his name. Who did Blahovich fight? Ankaleev. Ankaleev, yes, there we go. But we saw that in Dana White. He comes in after the he comes in after the fight, and he he announces to us the media. He says, "Hey, the main event at 283 is going to be Glover Teixeira versus Jamal Hill." How excited were you for the announcement of that fight? And what are your thoughts going in between that matchup? Well, if Dana could have grabbed Buffer's mic during the fight and made the announcement, he probably would have. I guess <laughs> during that fight. I mean, by the time the second round was over, I think we realized what we were, what we were in for for the rest of that fight, and it was not pretty. And you know, I. Hate to say that because these guys are training hard they're working hard you know there was a last minute change to that whole lineup and that's why glover and jamal hill are fighting now anyway because glover was off that card when yuri vacated the belt and you know everything changed there so that matchup in defense of jan blahovich and ankleyev which is really not much of a defense is that it was a last minute fight training for each other and it led to a boring fight with both guys fighting safely throughout most of it and so forth, but it was last minute, but then we just move on, right? I mean, it was, a, it was a dog of a title fight. Everyone knows that, but what we have here in Brazil, to me, when I look at the cards that are starting the year off, this is the best card. I mean, look at Shogun Hua, the legendary Shogun, not for what he's doing now, but just to pay homage to a guy who fought in pride, to a former UFC light heavyweight champ who John Jones began his title reign with a win over. Shogun Hua, an absolute icon in Brazil and a legend in this sport, so that's first. But, Damon, Paul Craig and Johnny Walker, I mean, this, this should Let's be, about it. I mean, they should need, like, votes on both sides, like, when you're going to war. I mean, they shouldn't just be allowed in the octagon together, shall they? I mean, this should be sanctioned and licensed and soldiers on each side walk into the octagon with them. I mean, this is a battle. This is a war, Paul Craig and Johnny Walker. I can't wait to see those hands fly. Jessica Andrade, a title contender at strawweight fighting at flyweight again against Lauren Murphy, 
who's a banger and a brawler. I mean, just the Irish in her comes out and she starts throwing bombs. Andrade and Murphy, that, Andrade is better technically, but Murphy, I mean, that is a battle too. Gilbert Burns has everything to prove against Neil Magny, who's a step down on the totem pole. I hate to say that to Neil. He's great. He's a veteran, but he's not a title contender. Gilbert Burns was right there before the Shemaya fight. He fought for the belt right against Usman. So he's got to get back to that top level in a stacked welterweight division. This is a win he has to have against the lower-ranked opponent. And not only does he have to have a win, it's a statement. Glover Teixeira and Jamal Hill, and I'm leaving the co-main for last because of what it is. Glover Teixeira and Jamal Hill in the main event in Brazil. Ryan Bader fought Glover in a main event in Brazil one time, and he said they were screaming die on the way to the octagon. Jamal Hill doesn't know what he's in for. Glover Teixeira is that dude. If the Brazilian government picked one guy to fight for, the, for Brazil, it'd probably be Glover at this point. You know, he'd be one of them. So the, the people will be behind him. It'll be Roman Coliseum Gladiator, and Jamal Hill will be the guy whose head they want on a platter by the end of that fight. So it's, it's going to be a unique experience. He's got that one-shot power. Glover hasn't faced since Rumble Johnson in 2018 in July when he knocked Glover's tooth across the octagon. Hill has that kind of power. He's much more athletic than Rumble. God rest his soul. Anthony Johnson, what a sweet guy he was. and a cool dude. But Jamal Hill's got a ton of athletic ability, too. He's got good takedown D, but Glover's the total package at this age. He just It took a Hail Mary from Prashka to beat him. I don't know how Hill's going to do it, but it's going to be fun watching. And then the, the, the quadrilogy, the quadology, the quad whatever it is, <laughs> it's the first one. Davison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. I mean, the interim champion and the champion, does it even matter who has the belt with these two? Damon, I mean, this is the fourth time they were the main event the first time. It's their third co-main in a row. It's their, it's their fourth five-round fight against one another. They've seen everything the other one has to offer. They've done everything against one another in there. It's just going to be a matter of who's better, I believe, that night. Who's sharper, who's more focused, and then maybe in the end who wants it more. I think they've both proven that. They've both proven all these things in all of those fights. And this one is just, I think, more than anything, the bragging rights, for sure, between these two, the history, the legacy. But how will the fans remember this matchup? This is the fight that will ultimately dictate most of that. So this is history. The first time it's ever happened. What a fight card we have coming up. What a, what a, what a couple of weeks we have after four weeks gnawing off our fingernails, having the shakes, withdrawals, going outside <laughs> to make sure the sun's still coming out with no UFC fight. Just shadow boxing around the house, you know, just throwing those feints, you know, all oh, just trying to get back into it. Hit Grease. the single leg on the dog a couple <laughs> times, you know. <laughs> Yeah, Grease, I could talk to you all day. You know that, man. But we've got to wrap up. So much that we covered here today, but there's so much more. I mean, that rematch between, well, not rematch, the fight that never happened, Derek Lewis versus Sergey Spivak, that's happening next, the week after February 4th. I mean, there's still so much. And then 284 right after that. And we're still going to keep you locked in and keep having you on. I love what you bring. But before you go, tell everybody what you got going on. All right. It is ESPN Radio. I'm the UFC Insider. I'll be on hosting a special before some pay-per-views. Not all. We're pushing for more. So, you know, write your congressman, or in this case, ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut, programming. Attention, ESPN Radio. We want more Grease. Also, MMA Weekly. You can catch me on there hosting press conferences, weigh-ins, both official and ceremonial, and live streams during the fights on MMA Weekly's YouTube for pay-per-views only. And then every week I'm doing a podcast on Spotify that you have to check out. It's called The Fight Stack and Full Press MMA. You can get it on Apple Music. You can get it on Spotify. Check those out. So 
like you, Damon, we have to be everywhere. And, and before I bounce, I just want to say one thing. Uh, I really, I had a great time in Vegas with you and Q, hanging out with you guys at the Oyo in there. And I really do appreciate you guys having me into the station, the hospitality. You guys are great dudes. I love hanging out with you, and I love coming on the show with you. I'll be in Vegas a whole bunch, and you know we'll be seeing a lot of each other. So thank you so much. Oh, man, thank you. means a lot. And it's good to meet your radio friends in person. That's all I got to say. Good to finally meet you, man. Thanks for coming on with me. Hey, we're the good-looking radio guys, right? We got to <laughs> stick together. I know that's right, man. Thanks. Take care, Demont. And that was Jim Griesauber. I mean, like I said, it's always good to meet your radio friends in person. The guest of the year for 2022, and we finally meet each other finally in person in 2023 and when we come back we're going to talk about some wwe because i love the show succession and vince mcmahon is logan roy in real life and we're going to talk about that when we come back this is the fight game on 12 30 the game welcome back to the fight game and welcome back to the fight game here on 12 30 the game now let's talk about the biggest news in pro wrestling. No, it wasn't AEW who put on another great show at the Forum last night. No, it's not Mercedes Monet or Monet. Don't know the correct pronunciation on that yet. The disappointment from some fans on the internet that we didn't get to see the artist known formerly as Sasha Banks debut in AEW. No, 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 no. The biggest news in professional wrestling is, of course, Vince McMahon. As Vince McMahon, he announced, well, he put the feelers out there, you know, feelers that he was going to be coming back to the WWE late last year. And people thought in what capacity would Vince McMahon be coming back? People were saying, hey, if Vince McMahon is coming back to the WWE, forget about creative. That means that he is going to sell the WWE. And for the people who predicted it, the people who were right, they were right. Because as we saw earlier this week, there were reports, and it's you don't even want to say reports. There were internet rumors on Twitter. You can't believe everything you see on Twitter. Twitter's not a real place. We all know this. Internet rumors on Twitter that the WWE was sold to Saudi Arabia's public investment fund. And we all know about sports washing. We see it with Live Golf. One of the big problems with Live Golf is that they do not have a, t a TV partner, even though that they are paying their athletes an exorbitant amount of money that the PGA cannot match. So right off the bat, I was thinking, I don't think this is, I don't think this checks out. The math ain't mathing, because we know with WWE the TV deals, and we know that that's coming up with the television rights. All of those deals are coming up, and they are important to WWE. With professional wrestling, you need to have a TV deal. And if the WWE, and I could be wrong, maybe this is one of those things where you say the WWE puts something out there to see if, it, if it's going to catch traction, but I don't see them selling to Saudi Arabia. But hey, if Saudi Arabia writes a check for 20 to $30 billion, what's Vince McMahon going to care about that? But now we see even new reports that WWE CEO Nick Khan has been in Los Angeles and he's taking meetings with Bob Iger, CEO of Disney. The ESPN president, Jimmy Pataro, endeavors in the hunt. You know, they own the UFC. So there are so many suitors out there, so many bidders on the WWE that we know of. And who should buy the WWE? For me, personally, as a fan. 
I don't want to see the WWE sell. I know that Vince McMahon, with this hostile takeover, when you come back and there's a board vote on Vince McMahon coming back and the people that voted against him, they're out of the company. I mentioned it before we went to break. This is like an episode of succession. This is a season of succession taking place in front of us. And I know that that analogy is going to get run through the door, through the dirt about Vince McMahon, him being Logan Roy. But who among us could have saw this coming? Vince McMahon coming back, co-CEO Nick Khan, Stephanie McMahon. Stephanie steps down from the company. Is it something that, hey, we take her for a word? Hey, the company's doing fine. Her dad's back. She wants to go be with her children. Because if you remember earlier last year, she announced that she was going to resign from the company. She's leaving the company. Vince McMahon has to leave. She comes right back, co-CEO with Nick Khan. Triple H, chief content officer. So things have been running smoothly in WWE. With the creative side for Triple H, Vince McMahon says that he's going to stay away from that. And I'm okay with that because I like not everything that Triple H has been doing, but the moves that are going forward. People that are basically ready to leave AEW because Trip's running things. And would a sale stop some of that? A team that I'm thinking of particular two superstars, FTR, formerly known as The Revival in WWE. Dax Hardwood, Cash Wheeler. If those guys were to leave AEW, and it's been reported, Dax Hardwood says that the F- that he's announcing that FTR is going to be going away for a little while. Their contracts are up in April. So what could that hold? Now that Vince McMahon is back in WWE, what FTR like to go back to WWE? With this sale, it's all pretty interesting because the uncertainty of what could happen with WWE selling. If they do sell to Disney, what would that do to other partnerships that they have? Where you see the A&E specials, Netflix movies, would all of that stuff go by the wayside? Would WWE still be the same product that it is if they were to sell? What about the WWE Network? What about the deal with Peacock? These are all of the things that on the business side, it's a little bit above my head. Because for Vince McMahon, he is definitely displaying the signs of a guy who's just saying, if I can't have you, no one will. He's doing that with the company that his father gave to him, and he built to a billion-dollar company. And he's the cranky old man who's not getting his way. He didn't like the way he was forced out, so now he's going to sell the company, and he's going to retire with his billions. Who knows what the will looks like? Stephanie McMahon, Shane McMahon, their kids will be billionaires for generations to come. But for the fan side of this, business side, they're going to get I think I think it was a valued at 6.5 billion. They're going to get around 5 to 7 billion dollars no matter what. But the product, that's what we care about as fans. That's why we watch WWE. We don't care about the stock holding for WWE. It's going to be interesting to see. They sell to Disney. Is Mickey Mouse going to win the Royal Rumble. And yes, I'm joking just a little bit, but you don't know. Is this going to be like a Kingdom Hearts situation? You've got John Cena, Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck teaming up against the bloodline. It's all fun to see, but we should know something maybe around the middle of the year I've seen reports. Because I know that these deals like this take time. 
So that's why when it was, hey, they're selling to the Saudi Arabia fund, it just didn't seem that a deal like that would happen that quick. A deal of this magnitude. They just hired, you know, a company to like try to find the potential buyers, I want to say this week. So Vince doesn't come back. They hire a company to see who's interested in buying WWE, and then they sell in a matter of days. These things are going to take time, but I know that wrestling fans are going to be interested to see. And no one is happier about this than Tony Khan. He tweets, hey, people have just been so nice to me at work today. I wonder why. AEW stands to be a big winner if WWE sells. They already have a little bit of the edge factor. They already blood and guts, as Cody said when they first started. A little bit edgier. Trying to create that market for an alternative. But if WWE sells, and let's say the product does change, the best bet would be, hey, if you don't know wrestling, you know, it's not going to be like a sports team owner where you buy a new basketball team, a new football team, and people want to have their input on the product. I think whoever buys WWE, they're going to want it to run as smooth as it's running now. Just keep Triple H in charge. You just care about the stock prices. But what if someone does buy WWE and they want to change the product? They want to shake things up a little bit. Change the essence of what it is. I'm not saying it could be the end of professional wrestling as it is. But it's going to be very interesting to see what it could be. Because as we know, we all love pro wrestling. But AEW is that alternative. And it's been a good alternative. But in a year from now, and all we can do is wait and see what WWE is going to be going forward. Because I like what's going on with the WWE. But this is just something that I never thought we'd see. I know that other people are saying, hey, to the WWE, they were going to sell someday. Vince McMahon, he's been gearing for a sell for a long time. But for me, maybe I never thought about it because I never wanted to see it. Because for me, the WWE should always be a family-run company. And that's one of the things that people don't realize about it. This is a family-run company. No one has outside of the McMahons have ever run the company. But I will tell you something before we wrap up the show that no one asked, but I'm going to tell you anyway because, hey, it's my show. If I were to buy WWE, what would I do? If you gave me the hypothetical $7 billion to purchase the company, Probably I'm putting myself on TV, putting myself in the main event, (laughs) No, not doing all of that. But it's just so interesting because I don't have all the answers on how to make professional wrestling perfect. But it's going to be interesting to see where it's going to be going forward, who's going to buy the WWE and how beneficial is it going to be for someone to buy WWE? We saw it with Time Warner when they bought WCW. It had no benefit to them. Excuse me, AOL when they bought it from Time Warner. It had no benefit for them. So whoever buys WWE, they need to know what they're getting into before you just buy something that has a high stock price now that you see as marketable. But hey, who knows what's going forward? See that with Discovery and HBO Max. What's going on there? Sometimes a merger isn't what's best for the actual talent involved. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Fight Game on 1230 The Game. I am your host, Damon Cotton. Thank you to Jim Greasehopper for joining me today. And thank you for listening. Stay safe and protect yourself at all times, everybody.